Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, like, no, 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 Don't lecture me, you fucking can opener. Mace, you better fire it up, dude. Shut your mouth. You're not God or my father or my boy. Drive your fucking Wally bird. They laugh in New York and they, they laugh in San Francisco, but they will not be laughing when the mouth of hell opens up and sucks. The whole world is in the power of the evil one, the devil. And the media that he uses to control the world is television. the return of Better Call Saul, one of the best shows on television. We last recorded a podcast on this show in October of 2018, which is mind-blowing to me. I re-listened to that because it had been a while, and dipping back into this universe has been so great. We got two episodes to talk about. AC, how does it feel to be back in Albuquerque? Amazing, amazing. I got to tell you, like the difference in quality when you jump back into this world of the show as opposed to a lot of other things that we'll get to later in terms of what we're watching. Um, it, it is just pretty stark. And I think one of the things that I took from these, these first two episodes is they still have such a good handle on not giving us too much, but moving along the story and in a very effective way. Uh, the pacing of both of these episodes was really good. And I do love how these two worlds Jimmy slash Saul Goodman's world and the Gus uh, Salamanca Mike Nacho world are all starting to converge slowly. So still seeing all of those things uh, take place in the first two episodes, plus adding Jimmy and Kim's uh, relationship going in the going to tatters very slowly. They're still slow burning that too. It's been really, 
really good these first two episodes. So very excited to to see how the season plays out. Now that we know we only have two seasons left. Exactly. What we've been waiting for this entire time since this show came along. Nacho literally picks up Jimmy slash Saul in his car at the end of episode two. And we're off. It's happening. The Breaking Bad groundwork is being laid in this penultimate season. Jake, in our last podcast, we were split as to how we felt about the the rapidity of the transformation. Ah, where are we? Saul is really the rising phoenix. Yeah. In this episode, the colorful suits are his plumage. <laughs> yeah. How did you feel about the reintroduction of this character? Well, you know, it's funny being away from it for a long time. And I feel like the last Saul season we did, that was the first time I had watched it in real time. As opposed to binging on Netflix? Yes. Instead of waiting for it to come and stream and then sort of getting it at my own pace, which might be two episodes at a time. You know, Saul's not really a binge show in the way that Breaking Bad was. But it's a good stick with it, do two, and then come back for two more when you're ready. I think the break was good, actually, for letting us let go of Jimmy McGill and seeing Saul Goodman exploding in front of us on the camera. So I actually, I think it helped me a lot. I agree. I think it definitely helped. I think Jade in particular... Didn't like how abrupt it was in the finale. Mm-hmm. It's tough to pull off. But it was necessary mm-hmm. so that we could start this season fresh with Jimmy as Saul. That had to happen, clearly. We also didn't know last year that they were heading into the end run because there really seemed to be no indication that that was going to happen, right? We, we, were, we were speculating as to like where we were in the timeline, how far away from Breaking Bad we were. And so now we have a much clearer sense and they can ramp things up. And yeah, I think it was, it's, it's just such a difficult thing to handle. Season four featured the time jump that I had forgotten about until re-listening to the podcast. We advanced most of the way through the year that Jimmy was forced to retire from lawyering. Right. That was frustrating at the time, but. Mm -hmm. I think it was in service of where we are now. That's right. We hyperdrived that that <laughs> year in, of suspension. <laughs> so let's get into it. Episode one's cold open, as with every other season, is a Gene Takovich sequence. This one was extended. Freaked out by the Albuquerque cab driver from last season, Gene drives out of town to a diner for the day. He's skipping work. When he returns, his lunch break is interrupted by Jeff, the cab driver. Jake, you might recognize him as Flanagan from The Deuce. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yep, thank you, dude. Jeff recognizes Saul and forces him to reveal himself and say his slogan, despite Gene insisting that he is not this person. And AC, let me just ask you, do we think this cab driver is a threat? Pretty clearly he is. Um, I, at least in my in my estimation, just based off of the idea that normally if you encounter somebody, and I'm just just talking like personally, like say for instance, I just imagine myself, if I was hiding out somewhere, 
some dude recognized me. The it was it was not what uh, Jeff said. It was how he said it. He was like, mm-hmm. huh, "You you really you really trying to not say that you are who you you are who you are or whatever." And I thought in I thought in that in that sequence. Um, I got nervous <laughs> watching it because it was a good way to play up on the tension of the moment and the tension of uh, of Gene in that moment realizing that oh I've been made. So I think um, I think I think that was cool to see. I think genuinely that that he is a threat of some sort. But which was what was even more surprising was how Gene handled it. Call uh, you know calling the fixer. Uh, shout out to uh, Robert Forster. I think um, I th- think that might have been his last uh, scene uh, that he filmed for. Yeah, apparently for, it was. Uh, before he, and uh, it was yeah. during. It was filmed during uh, El Camino. Right, 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 right. Exactly. So, um, what I found even more interesting was how that uh, cold open ended with Gene saying, "I'll fix it myself." Which uh, makes me even more intrigued. I tell you what, that those flash forwards are, I'd argue, some of the best things that you'll see in television. Just so that's, well done. That's and what it, leads ratchets up the stakes. That's what leads me to think he's not actually a threat. He's genuinely recognizing him. It's a, it's an authentic moment that Gene can't help but misperceive due to his paranoia. He's making a decision to, you know, basically what becomes Saul Goodman again to protect Gene <laughs> effectively, right? I feel like the stakes are higher if indeed he takes this guy out who was just a cab driver relocated from Al- Albuquerque. I agree with Jake. I think that this guy is not trying to do anything to Gene, but just the sheer fact that there's a loose end yeah and information out there that's the threat well that's the thing right it's i've been made is the problem and what anybody knowing him can do to his situation to derail it we're not gonna get an answer to this this season but is he gonna go kill these guys is that what's gonna happen yeah i think he has i think that's i mean that's the only answer right i mean how else do you fix that seems yeah he's not giving him a diamond right (laughs) shows about full measures after all right that no half measures yeah yeah it really is um it seems like the only logical conclusion that uh you can get from something like that the fact that he just I'll fix it. I'll fix it myself. So it just sounds so ominous and something that we've never actually seen in the we've never actually seen in the character the that that coldness, real, real coldness. So I, I'm very intrigued. It's it's some of the best stuff, man. Yeah, well, it's interesting, right? Because it's it's what's he going to do? His only option is to run again at great expense. Now the price is double. double. <laughs> right. Right. And so I don't know how many diamonds that is. Uh, but it just doesn't look like Gene's hanging on to a lot in reserve, right? The disappear doesn't have a punch card for the fifth disappearance is free. <laughs> well, he needs he needs two for one. It's like an he needs exponential 50, rate. He needs the Saul Goodman fifty yeah. percent off deal. Dude. Oh, there you go. What a what a connection, Jake. <laughs> the way we break down this show. 
at least until the storylines merge a bit more, is there's the clear separation between the Kim Jimmy storyline and the Mike Gus Lalo Nacho storyline. So Kim and Jimmy, we pick up right where we left off. Jimmy explains why he's changing his name to Saul Goodman, and Kim is less than thrilled. Later, Kim gets Jimmy a monogrammed briefcase because she thought she was getting a gift for Jimmy McGill and another coffee mug that says world's second best lawyer again. Jimmy says he'll just say JMM is his motto, justice matters most, (laughs) and then explains his cell phone promotion plan to Kim. Kim says, doesn't that sound like you're encouraging these people to commit crimes? (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy wants a fresh start, but Kim just can't see it. And like you said, AC... The seams are starting to show. Yeah, that, I thought the I thought the closing scene, which we'll, we'll get to, obviously, was uh, pretty stark in the way that she responded when he was trying to advise her on on the client taking the deal and and threatening. Sure, her but she took his advice, which is the funny part. Which still, which is still an interesting an interesting uh, character examination of Kim. It's, yeah. it's Kim herself. Um, and where she is uh, personally with all of this, considering what we saw last season with her kind of having a moment where she was buying into the whole scheming for stuff. She enjoyed it for, for a while and then kind of pulled back towards the end of the season. I think the biggest problem is just that Kim has morals. Yes. <laughs> and Jimmy just wants to win. Kim likes it for fun, right? It's yeah. not how she wants to live. She doesn't want it to be her career. Yes. Like it was cool for a one-time thing or a couple-time thing. Couple-time got a thrill out of it. Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> she got involved in that a couple of times, but <laughs> but but clearly as um you know, she really wants to be legit and obviously him, to Maze's point, just wants to win at any cost. And I think we have to go back to uh Jimmy's brother's death as kind of leading him down this path a little quicker. Then we're in the streets, it's like Fast and the Furious meets the death metal rave and righteous gemstones, <laughs> and right, suddenly right. we're at a circus tent where Jimmy is selling these phones, or actually he's just giving them away. There's this incredible montage. Saul at his absolute best. Sorry. Can't help you, ladies. Everybody got to wait their turn. Here you go, buddy. Next. Welcome, welcome. Take a load off. Before we talk phones, let's talk you. I'm guessing from our brief acquaintance that you're a fellow who, occasionally, through no fault of your own, uh, finds yourself in a Donnybrook or two. Yeah, a um, knuckle duster. A fist fight. I'm thinking you might be someone who partakes of the herb of the earth. I'm guessing that you ladies are popular with the fellas. And this could lead to a misunderstanding with the boys in blue. Say hello to my little friend. See right there, circled in red, pre-programmed, ready to go. Number one on the speed dial goes directly to me. You press that, and poof, I'm there. Next! Why call the cell phone guy? Because I'm not just a cell phone guy. I'm the lawyer who's going to fight for you. Well, you might find yourself in possession of a few pieces of military ordnance, you know, RPGs, maybe a couple Claymore mines in the trunk. <laughs> Before you know it, the other guy is bleeding out on the pavement and the cops are giving you the evil eye. It's just that people are always looking over each other's shoulder. And you're not hurting anyone. You know, who doesn't want to be... 
Next, big fella outside. His name's Huel Babin. Go ask Huel about me. He was facing three years. He was facing six years. Eight years down in Guadalupe. He was facing 25 years. Didn't do a single day. That's why he calls me the magic man. I asked him not to call me that, but he insists. <laughs> Next, number one on the speed dial. That's your lifeline. Cops pick you up, threaten you, they look at you sideways, you press that button, and I'm there. It's not just press number one. Or press number one. Zip your lip and press the button. You keep your mouth shut. Cops press number one. Keep it charged. Poof, poof, poof. I'm there. At number one on the your speed dial, it's your panic button. Press, number press one. one on the speed Don't dial. Speed Ask him about the magic. Press the button, and boom, your friend Saul is there. I got your back 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Press number one, speedy justice for you. Just press if and one. when that happens, your life Press number one. Choosing good health. Number one on the speed dial. You're in trouble with the law. Number one. Ask him about the magic. Press number one, and poof, Saul Goodman is there. We've got dings. Did you guys count the dings? Yeah. <laughs> right? Dude. That's a ding, mate. <laughs> took me back to the phone call scene. I think it was last season. Oh, I forget the, the circumstances, but when he pretended to be the preacher. Oh, oh yeah. That was church last season. In that New Orleans season, after right. he went and mailed all yeah. the letters. <laughs> yeah, it was. Was last when Kim just, decided to get in on it. Yeah, this just this onslaught, right, of monologuing. Tremendous. <laughs> and they just make montages better than anybody else. Come on. These guys are such peak mm. craftsmen mm. with mm -hmm. this filmmaking. It's really, really impressive. And that's why it's so fun to have this show back. As much as we love these characters, they're just being handled with such care. When Jimmy runs out of phones, he offers 50% off. Put a pin in that for later. <laughs> then Jimmy ambushes DDA Bill Oakley, played by local New Mexico actor Peter Disseth, as we discussed last season, with his film students disguised as reporters. I love the film crew back again. Oakley's just trying to eat his snack, but Saul turns it into a publicity stunt. I laughed at this. I just enjoyed it. This never gets old to me. <laughs> it's great stuff. Kim is trying to convince her client to take a five-month plea deal, but he's being incredibly stupid. Jimmy wants to con him. Kim is against it, but reluctantly uses Jimmy's plan, and it works, much to her dismay, and she bails to her usual hiding place, the stairwell. Ray Seahorn, as she explained on her Twitter, it's pronounced Ray, still crushing it. I'm still in love with her, and I'm happy to have her back <laughs> in my life, Gus. Amazing yeah. performance. Yeah, she does. Remember, I was saying in the I was saying in the chat yesterday, her facial expressions are just like perfect. So like you could just tell like she's trying to hide the fact that she's like really disappointed, but you can see it on her face every time Jimmy's doing uh any one of his uh schemes or nonsense types of things. Yeah, she's um yeah, she is crushing it and uh, it is glad to to see her back in this. Well he can certainly see it. <laughs> oh yeah, in this in this instance, yeah, there was yeah, I thought I thought her just kind of that short outburst was good and it was necessary. It was one of those things that sometimes you see in relationships where it seems pretty clear that communication is kind of off in a way because Jimmy's just going on this, uh, you know, I'm just living my life and doing my schemes and trying to get away with things and still trying to uh, do this relationship thing at the same time. I think we're just starting to see the crevice 
kind of just grow even more. And I do like the fact that they are taking their time with it as opposed to just rushing the split. Sometimes I think that's necessary because when the break really happens, it's going to it's gonna make the viewer feel it just as much as probably I'm sure Jimmy might and uh, Kim might too. So uh, I am very curious to see how they uh, construct this breakup. Well, it can't be this season. Oh no! Maybe. How do you get? How do you fit her into a whole another season if she's not with him? I mean, and focus on the things we love, like Fring, like Mike, like Nacho. Know what I'm saying? You thinking that she's guaranteed to make it to season six? Because I wouldn't say that. Oh, of course. I want her to stick around, but there's no. a possibility. Yeah. Maze, Maze, Maze. <laughs> Seriously, now you're just talking from a production standpoint. They're not cutting her out. She's the f- female energy of the whole show. But if you want him to really become Saul, she has to go before it's over. She's not going to make it to the finale. Oh, the finale, maybe not, but the last season. I'm saying it's not ha- whatever that is. Okay, it could happen in this finale. You know what I mean? And then there's back and forthing in the next season. I can't see a way for her to get much screen time if they're not together. Well, I still am afraid that she's going to get killed. Killed? Yeah. This season? No. When she goes... When she goes? Out of the show, I don't think it's going to be like, they broke up and Kim moved to Miami. He... Mm. Yeah, all right, it's too early to speculate on that. It's too early to speculate. Right now, it seems like she's sitting on her thoughts and... (laughs) ready to explode at any moment if he fucks up again in the wrong way. So taking time bomb there. It, it, it is interesting because I do have a feeling like, you know how Breaking Bad the last season just kind of turned into waltz on this like one man against everybody type of thing. Uh, um, yes. I don't necessarily, I don't Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that this is going to exactly be like that, but I could, but as we've talked about before, for the world starting to merge, I do feel like it by the end of the season, the worlds will have merged completely. And I don't know if there's room for Kim in the merged world because once uh, Jimmy slash Saul is dealing completely with Gus, Mike, and Nacho, and Lalo, and all those people, I just don't see how she necessarily fits into that picture. But well, hey, it's still, it's still early, so we'll find out. You don't know what she knows. We can't right. assume that she's even hit. Well, he's going to be introduced to this world maybe next episode. I mean, we're, we're, right? Or he's, he's being introduced to it right now, right? So mm. uh, end of next episode that we're going to talk about in a minute. But my point is he's going to get into the thick of it. But that doesn't mean... And once he tells her, shares with her what this proposition is, what it's going to mean to him and them financially, she's obviously going to want him to reject it. And we know from past experience that he's more than happy to to keep things on the down low for the sake of maintaining the relationship. Yeah, that's fair. Now, the other thing is, Walt... That story was on a vastly different trajectory because all the Saul story is is getting from Jimmy McGill to to Saul Goodman 
the man we met in Breaking Bad. It doesn't have to turn on a major tragic ending a la dying at the meth factory. You know what I mean? It doesn't. My The only reason why I have that like little inkling about it is because they've done a really good job of, at already laying the groundwork for it. So they can go to it if they want to and just have season six be a complete all-out Saul Goodman darkness type thing. They mm. could do that. They're just saying like the option is all. It, I know, and it's hard to speculate what they could do. Right. <laughs> Especially not knowing how this, this season's going to pan out. I guess I'm well, more optimistic. Right now I'm more concerned about my mix. <laughs> that she doesn't have to go. I think she can just go in a breakup. But I think this show wants to break my heart. Jeez. Yes, I agree. <laughs> and I Jimmy's heart. That. I agree. So you want him to be damaged? I don't. I don't want emotionally any of this. damaged. <laughs> yes, you do, Mace. No, I don't. This is, this is. I'm seeing you're rooting. This is my millipede. <laughs> oh well, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. We could speculate when we know more. Yes, yes, yes. I'm optimistic. So let's catch up with the Chicken Man and our guy Lalo, played by Tony Dalton, who is just. Mm. A fucking rocket in this show. He is so fantastic. His energy is such a nice change-up. He's a character that is referenced in Breaking Bad, but never makes an appearance, so he gets to be unburdened from the future and just gets to (laughs) play in the sandbox. Mm. He's wondering aloud about Werner Ziegler and Michael. Nacho tells Lalo that people are complaining the product is stepped on. So Nacho takes Lalo to the stash house where drugs are dispensed through a drain pipe. Lalo investigates the product and determines that half of it isn't theirs. Then Lalo goes to a meeting with Gus and Don Juan, where Gus, air quotes here, confesses that Werner stole two kilograms of product. Gus had to replace it locally. Lalo asks what Werner was working on, and Gus shows him an advanced inline chilling system that they must have come up with in the last couple days. <laughs> right. Gus introduces a delighted Lalo to Michael, and there's that great handshake. This is the same place that becomes an industrial laundromat, right? No. So the laundromat is the location of the super lab. Oh, this is an entirely different location. This is his chicken farm. And ah. he's so full of shit Got it. that he's just doing a different project to try to throw them off Got the scent. And it works for Don Juan, who didn't really care in the first place. Right, right. But Lalo knows better. And he hits him with that amazing, the south wall is going to look beautiful as he smugly walks off. <laughs> what? What's the backstory on the uh, the meth distribution, though? I can't remember. The drugs come from the cartel Yeah, in Gus's trucks. Yeah. Then it's divided, I believe, between Gus's crew and the Salamanca crew for distribution. But why is there other meth mixed in? That's Gus's product that he's selling. He's stepping on it. Okay. And he blamed it on Werner. Got it. I don't think we have an explanation as to why he's doing that in this episode or in last season. Okay. But that's what's happening. Well, this may be a go-back point for me. I don't think it's Gale yet. 
even though we were introduced to him last season. But yes, we might get more information on this later. Okay, so it's not something we were well informed about that I'm just forgetting. No, this is brand new. Nacho mentioning it in the restaurant is the first time this has come up. Okay, good. All right, good. (laughs) On the way out, we get super meta and Lalo tells Don Juan, Hector has this crazy idea in his head that somehow the chicken man might carry a grudge after he shot Fring's boyfriend in the head. (laughs) I wonder how they came up with that idea. Also, all this is in Spanish. I love the Spanish. It's great, but it makes it impossible to clip. (laughs) No subtitles for podcasts yet. They haven't figured out that technology. Don Eladio likes Gus because he just gets tons of money. Mike takes the Germans out to the desert to elaborately send them home with the job half finished. He can't resist clocking Kai in the face for calling Werner soft. He clearly still wishes he could have just killed Kai last season instead of Werner. Then Casper tells Mike that Werner was worth 50 of him, and he sends them all in separate rental cars to separate airports. They must finish the job by hook or by crook, so we'll see who comes in to do that. Gus is very worried about Lalo and wants him dealt with. Mm -hmm. He also wants to keep Mike on retainer. Mike asks what happened to Werner's widow, and Gus is getting quite tense. He says, be careful what you say to me next, and then Mike tells Gus to keep his goddamn retainer. Shit's kind of hitting the fan for Gus, and to be honest, this whole lie was not very good. It's not a good cover-up. Lalo sees right through it. It wasn't convincing, and it didn't seem like Gus's work, honestly. Hmm. I don't know. That, 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 that Lalo is a, is a cagey guy. Cagey guy, I am. Like you were saying earlier, there is just something about being menacing without being men- just the way that he talks to people. And there's a there's a charm, but there's just this devious. I could kill you at any type of charm, and I don't know how to describe it exactly, but it's incredible how the, that dude does it. Um, he does such a great job. But as far as like the whole Gus. Uh, Lalo feud the fact that Nacho's right in the middle of it is just that's gonna be interesting and then I'm all I'm also intrigued to see how Mike and Gus kind of rework their relationship going forward because we know they eventually uh, work together again and are have a pretty strong working relationship going forward Episode 2, which is 50% off. In a show with world-class cold opens, this one is an absolute banger. I laughed my ass off here. We pick up with two skells, which is a word that I was not familiar with, but refers to basically low life. (laughs) At Jimmy's Magic Man event, basically Badger and Skinny Pete equivalents who take Jimmy's 50% off pitch as an endorsement to start the bender of a lifetime. Oh boy. They get some meth. They steal some groceries. They get some more meth. They steal a garden gnome. They rob a gas station. They start smashing parked cars with baseball bats. We get a smash cut to when they finally crash literally into a mailbox in someone's driveway. They wake up. What day is it? Tuesday. 
50% off. And they fired up again. Is math like that? Can you just, just keep going. You're asking for a friend? <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, <laughs> makes meth That's seem a, like the oh greatest man. drug in the world. <laughs> Them boys went to town. You're just oh so so fast. I mean, you really should just join the Olympics and get some prizes. You can move. <laughs> and this isn't even Walter White's blue shit i know this is just salamanca swag it's like 80 <laughs> percent uh, well i gotta say though the badger skinny pete thing was really because at first i'm going is this them back in the day <laughs> i really thought that too for a second you I was know? Like, wait a minute these guys are these guys those guys i was like oh no they're not those guys but they kind of are those guys if the other guy <laughs> had been tall then it yeah. would have been really tough clearly they did it on purpose <laughs> it's just so interesting that a show like this can design a cold open that's pure comedy yeah and inject us right into the underworld that they've so firmly established with zero context well that's the thing and and not only that but it's not like it became some huge payoff down the road in the way you, you might have thought. Like, you might have thought they were going to end up in jail and be Jimmy's first case. I mean, uh, Saul's first case is Saul, mm. right? That's not at all what happens. Well, all, well, he's had cases. He's already had cases, though. But it does reconnect to the narrative in a great way. Yes, it does. But it's going to. That's true. I had, But... In a, in a clever way, but not in the direct way. Yes. In indir- it's like a hockey assist. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's a great... It's a pass from the corner for a one-timer at the point. It's too <laughs> bad Jade isn't on for this <laughs> hockey assist episode. You know, my only hockey reference of the year, maybe. The Kim-Jimmy storyline, Saul's phone is ringing off the hook. Kim doesn't tell Jimmy she used his plan. Jimmy wants to do a scampy and Scorsese night. Excellent wordplay. When Kim gets in her car to go to work, Jimmy hops in the car and takes her to an open house. He's up to 45 clients already as Saul Goodman. As they walk around this massive modern home with Jimmy's dream closet, all I can think is that this relationship is in serious jeopardy. Kim doesn't want to lie to her clients. She draws the line. And then the mood is lightened a bit when she turns the shower on while Jimmy is in it. And the realtor gives them a real nice stank face on their way mm-hmm. out. <laughs> you probably didn't sign in. <laughs> yeah, they didn't yeah. sign the guest book, right? That's why she was mugging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we get Saul Goodman in his element at the courthouse. He's got the Bluetooth. He's wheeling and dealing, stalking Oakley, haggling with employees, advising clients, all while practicing a speech for Suzanne. Howard shows up, checks out the suit. Asked him to lunch and Saul brushes him off. Thanks for thanks for your cameo appearance, Howard. You used to be a <laughs> cast member on this show. Now you get five seconds. Jimmy wants to churn through cases, but Suzanne refuses to help him out. Unperturbed, Jimmy catches Suzanne in the elevator and causes a power outage, trapping them together and eventually breaking her. He negotiates settlements for all but three of his cases in 20 minutes, right when the power flicks back on. And he bribed the maintenance guy and offers legal services for the other half. While rewarding himself with an ice cream cone, Nacho drives up, picks him up, but says, no ice cream in my car. (laughs) (laughs) And we get the image of the overturned ice cream cone on the sidewalk as the episode ends. 
we're just getting started. It's great to see Saul Goodman cooking, dude. Yeah, oh. absolutely. It is. It's fun to be back. Like you said, I mean, the, the direction, the shots, the cinematography, the energy of the just the whole production. And then you forget because you like. You know, when you're, you're you're away from it, you you kind of focus on the whole Saul aspect of the storyline, and I'm always jazzed up when it's like when we get into the seamy underbelly of the criminal world. I mean, I just like yeah. when they make those turns, and you suddenly you're looking at Nacho. I'm like, yes, <laughs> Gus threatening yeah. to kill Nacho's dad oh. in order for him to get close to Lalo, and Nacho knows that this is like the no win situation of all time. Well, he came no through, game. huh? Yeah, he came he through, did. and he was—he was not doing well. Oh the poker God. game uh, flirtation didn't work, <laughs> right? And but the but the balls out move to rescue the stash. I, oh, no, well played, well played, and it's with Lalo being, you know, sort of our play-by-play man. <laughs> yeah, that I mean that was underrated. That was pretty good shit right there. Yeah, uh, he he is. I mean, he he brings a lot of comedy, you know, which is a hallmark of their work. Uh, that comedic edge to such a sinister personality because you know it's going to get dark with him down the road at some point. 100%. 100%. I, I'm, I'm worried about my man Nacho. I did, they're, they're torturing me every, every, uh, with these episodes with him. I just, you just know it's going to end horribly for him. We never met Nacho in Breaking Bad, right? He never did. He never okay. made it. Just Crazy Eight. Ocho loco. Yeah, man. Okay. Crazy dude, such a oh, nice guy. Boy. Such a nice young man. <laughs> right? <laughs> trying Jesus to Christ. fix trying to fix a little plumbing <laughs> issue on the side fix of the, the building. Drain. He's fixing the drain pipe. <laughs> and then when he hits it, the drugs come out. That was now, amazing. Where 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 do we think those boys got that car? How how did they upgrade it? To that car 50 percent off <laughs> well they don't have credit though i mean that thing was they like uh, that was credit. a wild ride jake one of our recurring bits last season was michael mando's agent uh-huh we're two episodes in episode two pretty high usage rate for nacho Mm-hmm. Gus has given him this mission. Do we think he got a new agent? He might have. But we we've seen more. We saw more of him in episode two than no. a lot of certain episodes this last season. Them for sure, ramping up the Saul story. He's necessary. He's, he's the, the bridge. bridge. Exactly. He's the bridge. I mean, yeah. that's why he's been there this whole time was to give us an organic bridge to to Fring and Mike. Right. Because right? they had an established relationship from he's, the beginning yeah. of the show. He's the link. So it's only natural. And, I mean, look, I love every time they go there. Who doesn't? No. Right? Oh, yeah. it, ne- that ne- it never bores. It's always tension-filled. It's always really well done. As much as they can give them. I think they're hip to it now. Like, we, we they have... They have the liberty to give him more screen time. We've got this incredibly intense scene that gives us a refresher at just how fucked Nacho is, where they come and get him in the middle of the night. We've got two beefcakes holding him down alongside Victor and Tyrus. Gus shows Nacho just how easily he could end 
Nacho's father and asks him to gain Lalo's confidence. You'll figure it out, he says. Then Lalo goes to visit Hector. He pours liquor in Hector's fizzy K, which he calls Mierda. Lalo asks Hector about how to deal with Gus. Hector starts furiously dinging the bell. Once again, count those dings when he says the word money. And Hector is advising that Lalo fuck up Gus's money. And Lalo speculates he's building something, a tunnel, a lab, maybe a vault. One for three there, but not super strongly inclined to make a decision. Then Mike goes to watch his granddaughter because Stacy has work. He's teaching Kaylee multiplication tables using football while they work on her treehouse. Kaylee brings up her father and starts asking questions, which causes Mike to lash out in a really, truly heartbreaking scene. Kaylee hides in a room. They don't eat dinner. Mike leaves upset. Stacy's confused. I think this is Mike's rock bottom, AC. Yeah, it kind of it feels like it. Uh, with all the stuff that happened with Werner and the guilt over that you know, and... And obviously the stuff going back with his with his son, I think, yeah, it definitely hit a nerve for him. And it makes me wonder if that'll lead him straight back to Gus. You know, this this is where the time away didn't help me because I found the whole thing problematic and a bit forced only in as much as it was a lot to take in, you know, so early that he would just behave like that to his granddaughter. I mean, he couldn't rise to the occasion with her. I was frustrated. It was out of character from what we've seen from him, both in Breaking Bad and in Better Call Saul. This has always been his one tender spot. And now exactly, exactly. And I didn't have enough connection to his emotional response to killing Werner because that's so long ago. And that's something we talked about in the season finale pod that didn't feel earned their relationship. His guilt over killing Werner didn't totally add up in the way that we would expect with this show. Right. So our joyriding friends show up at the stash house in a luminescent lowrider flush with cash. They have quintupled their order. Nice. (laughs) Nice, Maze. Luminescent lowrider. Yeah. Look at you. Well done. <laughs> Their order gets stuck in the drain pipe because it's too large. Lalo and the Salamanca crew are playing poker. Everyone is clearly scared to bet against Lalo, and he bluffs his way to victory. We get a fantastic Easter egg here, the birth of Crazy Eight's nickname, because he folds away pocket eights, and Lalo calls him Ocho Loco. Ocho Loco gets a call from the stash house. He's up on the ladder trying to loosen the drain pipe. Cops show up. Everyone scatters. Great moment where he taps the drain pipe. The drugs fall out. Just like Oakley getting his snack out of the vending machine in the previous episode. (laughs) Lalo is pissed because they're about to lose a full stash to the cops. And Nacho sees an opportunity to demonstrate value to Lalo. Now, the first step to any erotic conquest is to D. Demonstrate your value. In this most recent case, my subject was Kaylee, a cute pharmacist. I demonstrated my value to her by filling a prescription. I told her, it's for my grandmother. She's quite ill. Thus demonstrating my value as a loving grandson and an all-around great guy. (laughs) Nacho parkours his way into the apartment, grabbing the stash and getting out just in time. (laughs) Lalo's Mm. gleeful narration. 
This guy is just <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> he was so excited to watch that happen. He's like, I can't believe this guy's doing well, this. He's going to get was, caught, right? This He's was great, caught, too, because right? it showed you how little he gave a shit about Nacho, too, because he was yes. almost at rooting for him to go down. <laughs> what a dumbass. And we know that Lalo's got moves himself. He's a spry motherfucker getting in and out of the ceiling in the season finale. Right. So he has extra appreciation for Nacho's moves. Then he's back in the kitchen making tacos. He, we know he loves to cook. That was his entrance. Nacho's guys say it's all clear and they resume activities. Lalo invites Nacho to join him, asks about Crazy 8, and says that he has a plan. So, are joyriding lunatics, are the connective tissue that causes Crazy 8 to need a lawyer. So, in one way, they do cause Saul to link up with this crew. It's just the hockey assist. Mm-mm-mm. Where do you think they got that card? <laughs> I really want to know. <laughs> Theft? Well, they seem to be escalating. They had to have robbed someone. Of money. No, no, no. They stole that car. Oh, they stole the car because that's brazen. Because the cops ask Crazy 8 if it's his car. So I think it's possible the cops are tracking the car. It's because of the car. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Good. That works. It's so great because it's the end of a bender, a wake of destruction. that These guys have not been trying to cover their tracks at all. Right. And then I guess they have a legitimate complaint here with the drug situation. Oh, definitely. Because it takes so long, everything catches up with them. But then they get away and it falls on Crazy 8. What they do really well, too, is they depict anticipation exceptionally well. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like the hands underneath <laughs> just waiting for the presence to fall out of the sky. I mean, it's. I just think that's that's such a beautiful thing to be able to capture. Oh man, and that was such they, a great scene. They've become such good illustrators of the drug experience in American culture. To the guys around them before the cop showed up, and the way that they were talking, and where they were rapping from. <laughs> like, oh, oh my god, dude, the rap. <laughs> <laughs> That was hilarious. Uh, oh man. And also getting <laughs> to see her, you know, the woman from inside, because it was oh, great yeah. to go into that like hollowed out space right, with right, Lalo right. and everybody was tense and it's like it feels like this high level operation, right? And then, you know, like, then the shit gets stuck in the drain pipe. They're coming outside, which they shouldn't be, right? Like, everything's falling apart. You know, she's just like, just someone doing a job, you know? She's no more menacing than the than a housewife down the street. And it was so well done to introduce this location in episode one that we've never seen before and then have this set piece play out in episode two. I couldn't help but think of The Wire. It reminded me of The Wire a little bit. Season one. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that's fair. Yep. Stash House crew. Yeah. All right. We're super excited for this show. We love this show. Can't wait to keep talking about this for the next couple weeks. For Jay Coy, Anthony Canton III, and Eden Liu, I'm Anthony Mays. We'll see you next week. Bye.